imagine this. You go to the doctor's office after feeling unwell for a couple of days. You know, this is the time of year where your immune system is not the best. You don't think too much of it. But after seeing this physician who has the greatest reputation as an oncologist, you got diagnosed with cancer and you're prescribed with chemotherapy. So you undergo rounds and rounds of chemotherapy, but the doctor still said you needed more and more because the cancer inside of you is growing. Again, you go with the chemotherapy and your body and teeth gets weak and you lose all your hair. And after years of getting chemotherapy, you see your doctor in the local news. He was suddenly questioned by the federal agents about his misconducts. And it turned out he was prescribing chemotherapy to people who didn't need it, and you were one of them. And it also turned out you never had cancer in the first place. What would you do? Today, we're going to be talking about the case of Dr. Farid Farah, aka Dr. Death. A day of reckoning for the doctor who diagnosed hundreds of patients with cancer when they did not have it. Our story begins with a man by the name of Farid Farah, who was originally from Lebanon, born into Greek Catholic family in 1965. He started his medical studies at St. Joseph University in 1983, where he stayed for three years before continuing his training at the Lebanese University. After earning his medical degree in 1992, he decided to start his medical career in the United States. From 1993 to 1996, he worked as a fellow doctor specializing in hematology and oncology at a cancer center in Manhattan. At this time, he was also quickly gaining a stellar reputation for himself, and in 2003, Dr. Fada achieved a significant milestone by opening his own cancer center focused on hematology and oncology in Michigan. One of the things about Dr. Fada is that he was a respected figure in the medical world. Patients admired him, fellow doctors looked up to him, and it was customary for general practitioners to send patients his way when they suspected cancer or any other serious illnesses. You see, when you visit your regular doctor and they spot something unusual in your health, especially if it might be cancer or any other significant issue, they often refer you to a specialist. These specialists, like oncologists, have the expertise needed to run tests and provide specialized care. And Dr. Fada, he was known as one of Michigan's top oncologists. He didn't just treat patients, he also owned his own labs, pharmacies, and radiation treatment facilities. Plus, he managed around seven clinics. He had insights on becoming a prominent figure in the battle against cancer across the nation. At the peak of his career, he was responsible for the care of a whopping 17,000 patients. Now, if you're feeling unwell and you go to the doctor's office and your checkup reveals that you might have a form of cancer developing in your body, that's something you need to take seriously, right? But here's the thing. In the US, it can take several months to meet a specialist, even if you're already diagnosed with cancer. And the better the doctor, the longer the waiting list. But Dr. Farah, on the other hand, with his stellar reputation, he was willing to see patients on the very same day they reached out to him. He would meet about 70 to 80 patients daily. But here's the catch, he didn't work overtime. This meant that each patient had just two or three minutes for their checkups. 
It might sound brief, but because he was so well regarded, people put their trust in him unquestionably and without a doubt. Now here's when the story took a downward turn. When an experienced office manager named George Karachay joined one of Dr. Fada's cancer center in 2011, just a month into his new job, George noticed something concerning. Three physicians who had been working at Dr. Fada's cancer center all quit around the same time. One of these departed doctors was a man by the name of Dr. Mangley. When George had a conversation with Dr. Mangley before his departure, he was told something that left his heart heavy. You see, Dr. Fada had a reputation for being exceptionally private with his patients. He didn't allow other doctors to take care of his patients, and he never took a day off, not even for a vacation. However, there was one day when Dr. Mangley was in charge of one of Dr. Fada's patients, a 54-year-old woman named Monica Flagg. She had been diagnosed with multiple myeloma, a condition that requires lifelong chemotherapy for any chance of survival. She underwent three bone biopsies and was bombarded with immune boosters. According to court papers, she was given a very powerful chemotherapy drug. And one of the days she came home, she tripped and fell, causing her leg to break in half. She was then admitted to hospital for surgery, but lucky for her, Dr. Farah, who would usually oversee her, was coincidentally on holiday to Lebanon at that time. Instead, it was Dr. Mangley who was on duty. And when Dr. Mangley was checking up on her files, he discovered something mind-boggling. It turned out that her pre-operative bone marrow biopsy showed no evidence of cancer. Her case was what prompted Dr. Mangley to delve into other MHO patient records, where he would then discover numerous instances of unethical conduct. So the reason why cancer patients lose their hair is not because of the cancer itself, but because of rounds and rounds of chemotherapy. And at times, it's not only your hair that falls out, your teeth can fall out too. Your bones can become weak and you may barely be able to walk. You may lose an incredible amount of weight because you don't have an appetite, and in some cases, you can't even keep your food down. So it takes a massive toll in your body, but at the same time, it's one of the things that might work to cure the cancer. This is because the drugs used in chemotherapy not only target cancer cells, but also affect healthy cells in the body that divide rapidly. And so, moving on to the case, after talking to Dr. Mangley, George grew skeptical. At first, he didn't want to believe the story he was told. However, as more and more staff at the cancer center began to resign without explanation, his suspicion of Dr. Fada grew. One of the things that made Dr. Fada popular in the medical community was his aggressive approach, which involved giving a higher dosage of chemo drugs more frequently. He called this protocol the European Protocol, so his European Protocol was legal and wasn't seen as an unethical conduct. And this became one of George's concern because he thought, what if it's actually legal to prescribe people chemotherapy as a precautionary treatment? George actually didn't know about things like this because he was not in the medical industry. He began his investigation by collaborating with fellow nurses and interviewing some of the staff. The first thing he noticed was that Dr. Fada's treatment-to-consultation ratio was different from that of other doctors he interviewed. 
He then asked one of the nurses to provide him with a report of Dr. Fada's usage of IVIG, which is a chemotherapy drug, and the nurse then reported that within one week, 38 out of 40 patients who were prescribed chemotherapy by Dr. Fada did not need or did not qualify for the drug. There were even times when he gave his patients nearly four times their recommended dosage of dangerous cancer drugs. In one of the cases, there was a certain method of toxic chemotherapy where the standard treatment was only six months. But Dr. Fada gave his patient this treatment for five whole years. And this is just a small number of the crimes that Dr. Fada committed. What blows my mind about all this is that despite his disgusting crimes, Dr. Fada made an incredible reputation for himself. He had this crazy charisma and strong sense of selflessness, which became a selling point for his patients. And while his approach to medical care made him seem compassionate, this system of expansion was designed to maximize his profits. Dr. Fada managed to rapidly accumulate substantial wealth and was able to take up residence in a wealthy and lavish $1.5 million mansion in Oakland Township with his wife and three children. So Dr. Mengley went on to refer to George on the specific cases that he had seen. George then presented these findings to the FBI office in Detroit and filed a complaint against Dr. Fada in early August of 2013. And on the 6th of August the same year, he was arrested. However, at this point, he had already treated over 16,000 patients and was still treating another 1,700. Two years following this case, on the 10th of July 2015, Dr. Fada was convicted of making false diagnoses deliberately and prescribing unnecessary treatments with the aim of making himself richer by defrauding American insurance companies. He was found guilty on 16 counts, including 13 for healthcare fraud. Meanwhile, it was reported by the American press that his wife, Samar, who served as the CFO and MHO, had left the U.S. for Lebanon with their three children. The scam was estimated to have cost insurance companies around $35 million. In light of the harm inflicted on his victims and solely for his own benefit, the prosecutor requested the maximum sentence of 175 years in prison for Dr. Fada, which is 25 longer than the sentence given to Bernie Madoff. Ultimately, Fada was sentenced to 45 years in prison with the condition that he pay $17.6 million in restitution to his former patients and their families. This amount was later adjusted to nearly $26.5 million. All of Fada's numerous appeals have been denied thus far. Fada will not be eligible for release until the year 2050, when he will be 85 years old. It is possible that he may face additional legal complaints at that time. And that's it for today's episode. We'll see you in the next one.